and thank you for tuning into the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catram. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catram. And today I have the absolute pleasure to be in conversation with Kerry Ann Powell. Now, Kerry, let me tell you, she is a small business champion. She loves everything SME. If you are an entrepreneur, small business owner, wanting to have a better business, improve your life, improve what you do, improve your results, you need to know Kerry Ann Powell. Kerry, welcome to Kerry Ann. I should say Kerry Ann, welcome to the Business and Wealth Show. I keep saying Mac, Kerry. it's so great to be here, man. Thank you for having me on. I'm so thrilled. You're most welcome, and thank you for making time for us. Now, Kerry, Anne, before I begin, let me go down the angle of entrepreneurship. When did you start your entrepreneurial journey? What happened for you to go down that route? Yeah, yeah, that's a really great question. I, I often, you know, before I started, you know, ask, answering that question, I always thought, well, when I started my business in 2014, I actually incorporated my very first business in, in uh, 2009. Um, it was a uh, uh, an event planning company. I was still working my full time job and doing a lot of different speaking stuff like that. I was like, yeah, I want to do an event planning company. <laughs> oh wow! So I incorporated that. I, I planned no events, but nonetheless, <laughs> that was the first time that I said, you know, I could actually be a business owner. But you know, the more I think about it, as I answer this question a lot, I actually realized it was really I felt like when I started growing up and noticed that in our community, the the people that were holding up the fort, you know, if something at the church needed to be fixed, it was the members of the or of the of the congregation that owned businesses that would come in, stand up. The people that were chairing the boards of directors of our our local nonprofits and NGOs, um, my dad's friends who were you know pillars of our community. Those were business owners. And I looked at business ownership as something to be lauded, something that was sacred, something that was good. And so I always came from the posture of I wanted to be uh, a business owner or at least admired business owners. And, um, you know, when I was in, in, in junior high school, I was the president of the Future Business Leaders of America Club, you know, a little geeky, but, you know, <laughs> I thought I was doing something. So I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. And um, but, you know, you know, you're, you come from um, from families who are like, yeah, we want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went into law I was a lobbyist from Washington, D.C. for a Washington, D.C. for a while and then did some professional fundraising. And then once I came full circle, I was like, no, I really do want to start a business because, you know, it's what I do. And people were calling on me more and more to do talks and and, and strategy work with their boards and so forth. So that's kind of how I came full circle. I think I wanted to be an entrepreneur from the time I was born. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of like you, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 I'm sure there's some stories right there. Um, and um, so your first business then it wasn't an events business, was it? It was the consulting business, was it? Or right, yeah, no, the events business was just me playing around. But no, the real first business when I went full time, twenty fourteen, was a, a consulting company primarily focused on uh, very large NGOs because I, I came from that background. Obviously, had a significant network around there, so folks were asking me to come in do some revenue development strategy work with their boards of directors, very high level kinds of conversations. But at the same time, while I was doing that, I was also working with the CEOs and the, and the executive directors of these organizations. And all of this, I mean, strategy is strategy, particularly when you're talking about money. 
right? So right. if you're coming, if you're, if you're bringing it in from an NGO or if you're bringing it in from a for-profit, it just so happened that I began to start, as I was branching off into getting more for-profit companies, because people were kind of saying, hey, come over here, do this. I realized I actually really enjoyed the, the for-profit side of things. So that's when I really started sort of, you know, some of my nonprofit clients started dwindling off. And I didn't bring any more in. And then this is kind of how this iteration of the business has has created. But yeah, um, yeah. So the full time was in 20, 2014 when I went right. straight into doing uh, consulting work, which was great and fun. And consulting works primarily for uh, SMEs who want to what specifically grow grow their business or scale the business. Yeah. So I would say um, there's four main reasons why someone comes to me. Okay, okay. Um, it's a founder who's either unable to scale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they've been doing the thing, they're growing, but their systems or whatever is going on in the business is not is growing. The costs are growing alongside the growth. So that's not scaling. That's just growing. That's so true. they want to scale and they can't figure out how to do it. They'll come to me from that perspective. Another reason why they'll come in is because they are having a real cash flow issue. So they're having um, consistent negative cash flow in the business. I mean, you know the deal, Mac. In, oh, yeah. a, in a business, you're going to have the ups and downs, right? And yeah. so there's going to be flow in, flow out. But if you are consistently having negative cash flow, that's a big problem. Nothing problem. to sleep on. It's the 80% of reasons why businesses fail is because of a cash flow issue. Yeah. So that's the second main reason why they'll come. They're like, oh. And then the third one would be that they are unable to they're either they built a team early days and the team is not you know they didn't really slot people into the right seats at the time mm -hmm. or they're not really building a team so much as just sort of hodgepodging and bringing people in just kind of all random yeah. so that there's a team problem there's inefficiency and not lack of productivity in the team and then the fourth main reason is if and this is a big huge one is that they you know, the business is growing, everything's looking good, but the founder is unable to step away from the business without feeling like it's going to implode. Now, of course, sometimes they can't actually step away, but yeah. for the most part, they can't, even if, and, and of course, the feeling of the business imploding, I mean, you know, no one wants to do that. So, um, so, and, and, you know, these four main reasons, a lot of times, Matt, people don't realize it. They're not, I call them symptoms of chaos because those are the four top reasons mm -hmm. why businesses fail. So Absolutely. it's not something to sleep around. So if someone's feeling like that's happening in their business, they must address it. Oh, absolutely. So those are the four okay. main reasons they come to me. And we we do some juju and we make it happen and you know, they go along <laughs> And you fix it and then they, they can breathe again, as it were, right? They can breathe again and love their business. There you go. That's what we want. We want people to love their business, run their business smoothly thrive because if their business is thriving then they can thrive their families can thrive their employees can thrive but if they're stressed out and they're freaking out and they're worried if they can hit payroll on a regular basis that is no fun not joyful hey you're listening to kerry and powell let me give you the gravitas of this lady she was part she was led a small team who raised over 120 million dollars to build the dr martin luther king jr memorial and I want to. I want you to tell us a little bit about that. That's not an easy feat at not all. Not easy. How did that all. come about? How did you start that? What generated that? And tell us a story around that. 
Yeah, yeah. I would love to say that it was my idea, but there were some wonderful gentlemen who are no longer with us on this earth, but their legacy continues that came across the idea early 80s. It was actually before the um, the um, the birthday holiday was created in the United States. So it's a big, mm-hmm. well, that the idea came around. But of course, like anything in like anything big in life, it takes a while to sort of get things moving. So when they finally were able to get Congress to say, yep, pass the lo- pass the legislation, we're going to build something on the National Mall. They started, you know, raising some money. But, you know, I happened to have some 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 training. My first job out of college was as a director of fundraising at a large nonprofit. So I had gotten my, you know, sort of teeth cut on, on fundraising. So anyway, but by the time they started building, I was uh, practicing law in Washington as a lobbyist. OK, fine. Well, one of one day, one of my good friends sent me a message like, do you know they're building a Martin Luther King Memorial in, in, on the National Mall? I said, I had no idea. I said, let me Google, you know, <laughs> and it just so happened that they were looking for someone to primarily focus on just the corporate fundraising side. And I could do that because I'd been doing that since, you know, since devil was a boy. So I and apply. They brought me in. At that time, we were probably at maybe 27 million. Okay. Okay. So then the woman who was head of the head, who was head of the fundraising, she was moving on to another project and they asked me to step in and basically lead the whole fundraising effort. I was about two years in and I was like, oh, and so I said, I'm just going to go ahead and put the girl, big girl pants on and keep going. So I said, yes. And I cannot tell you what a ride it was. It was not an easy feat. We had to go from, say, 28 million to over 120 million. Um, and we were in that time, there were a lot of different things that took place. We had obviously the market crashed, major problems going on there. So we were left oh, a lot. There was a year when I didn't bring in, I mean, it brought in maybe a hundred thousand in. And there were major disasters like, you know, Hurricane Katrina, where I don't know if you're old enough to remember Hurricane Katrina here in the U.S., but that was a huge disaster. And so all of the ch- um, charitable dollars that were out there floating around were all going towards that as it should have. But that mm-hmm. meant that you know, me saying, hey, we're building a memorial over here. <laughs> like, yeah, right. People are dying over here. So there's yeah. a bit of a of a, of a, yeah. of a different uh, priority. But the good thing was that I was able to come into, truth be told, there's a bit of chaos that was going on in the shop at that time, um, meaning the fundraising shop of the, of the organization. And so when I came in, one of the first things I did was sort of step back and say, okay, look, clearly we need a strong strategy on this. What are the various different um tactics that we're going to use to be able to funnel into that 120 million. Mm. Obviously, corporate fundraising was a large part of it. So I have a great deal of wonderful relationships with folks in corporate. But the real thing is just being able to know, look, you can have a fantastic strategy, have great tactics. But in the end, if you're not executing exceptionally, it's for naught. So that is one thing that I would say that it is so vital to when you have your strategy, you've created your tactics, you've done all the work with your team, then sit down and say, how do I execute this on a daily basis? What do I do every single day that brings me closer towards the ultimate strategic goal? Because I find that with small businesses alike, that one of the challenges that they do face is the everyday putting the work in to mm. get to the goal, not wasting time on things that are not going to get you there. Um, you know, obviously, you know, in a we're in a social media world, so you got to do social media. But I find some business owners are spending all their time doing social media marketing. By the way, that's marketing, not sales. 
but they have no sales conversations on the mm -hmm. on 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 their calendar. So I'm like, well, you're spending how how many hours over here, but the results are not showing up over here. Right. So being clear that you're tracking your KPIs every single step of the way to know that what you are doing is actually going to result in something. The other lesson that I learned from that, there is really no thing called no Mac. Okay. There's like there's never a there's, no doesn't really exist. <laughs> I was um, when we finished the memorial, raised all the money. We were they asked me to stay on board for about two years for me to be able to help for us to be able to help the transition mm. from you know what was a fundraising organization to then an educational foundation. Yep. So we were moving to smaller digs because we didn't need the fancy big office at that mm. time because we only needed a, a couple of staff to be able to do that transition. So we were packing up beside what things we're putting into storage, what things we're throwing away, that thing, right? And I remember pulling out a file and just sort of looking through it. And it was a file for one of the many companies that we had um, solicited during the time, Fortune right. 500. And there were 20, I'm not lying, I'm not exaggerating, two zero letters of rejection most wow. of them written with my name on them <laughs> a couple of them with the person before and then they're like a couple from the present you know saying no literally mm -hmm. i had had that many interactions with the person that, and most of them were signed by the same person i had had that many interactions with that person at that company saying no we are not going to give you any money and that last letter saying hey carrie we're proud to give you two million dollars Oh, wow. I'm just saying, That's there what... really isn't a thing called no. You yeah, just keep it yeah. going. <laughs> and so, you know, it's great, great, great experience that you've had from NGO. Now, obviously, you've gone into entrepreneurship many years ago. What are some of the key lessons that allowed you to run a successful organization to now that you've taken into or that helps with you know, making a, a, a profit organization, a, 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 an entrepreneur. You know what it is? It's team. What is it? Team. If you can build a strong team, I'm telling you, Mac, you can take you anywhere. People will run into brick walls for you. Mm -hmm. If you build a strong team, you hire people who are self-motivated, right? Most people, unless there's some something going on back there, want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Period. Done. Right. And it doesn't have to be something so, you know, lofty as you're, you know, I don't know, getting, you know, you know, the rocket into into space. Mm. It could be something as simple as you want to help pet owners be able to groom their pets in a way that's not stressful for their pets. I mean, it doesn't have to be some lofty ideal, but people want to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves. Yeah. And so if you identify people who are self-moded, motivated and you have a strong vision for your company mm -hmm. and you know what your purpose is, right? And you bring on those people and you give them the, the training, the tools, the appreciation, all the things that we know we need to invest into our team. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you what you can do with that. Mm -hmm. I will never forget the story where we were building so one of the one of the partnerships we had was with one of the major trucking companies in the United States. OK, it was like one of the there's two really large ones. The one who was like one, one of the two of the large ones. Right. And they agreed. I mean, it took me a little while to get them to agree, but they finally agreed to wrap their all of like they had like they said they wrap maybe like 20 of their of their tractor trailers with the branding of the foundation. OK. Oh, wow. Now, 
they were to know how many, I don't know if you know how many miles those trucks go riding around the country every week. So yes. you're having major eyeball impressions. Okay. So we, they said, okay, fine. We're going to do that. We decided to do a press conference on the national mall. The national police are kind of, you know, a little stickler of things like semi trucks being on the national mall. So it was kind of a thing we had to kind of, you know, beg and plead and pull out some favors. And they said, okay, yes, we'll let you do this press conference by and have a semi truck showing there, you know, whatever, but they have to get to the space by 5 a.m. Okay, because we have rush hour and the whole thing, right? right. 5 a.m. Okay, fine. So we communicated with everyone at that the, at the company and the and the, the 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 person, the driver who actually was really excited to be the one driving the truck. Um, so that the driver, everything was set. So myself and two of my other colleagues were we go down to the to the site on the National Mall where we're going to be building the memorial, and you know. I'm a woman. I'm all cute. Look in the heels, the outfits, the hair. DC is a hot mess when I talk about humidity. So you can oh, wow. imagine I was just trying to like stay cute, you know? Yeah. And we're there and he sends, he's calling us and he's like, I am completely lost. I don't know where I am. I, you know, whatever. So we're trying to, we're trying to tell him where he's coming. We realize though. So it's by, by this, it's four o'clock and it's like, you know, we got there at 4 a.m. So we see him literally driving past the entrance of where he needed to be. And oh, it's, it's like a one-way street, so you can't oh, turn man. around. And and, no. and and so literally, I am like imagining, because the, the Secretary of Education of the United States was going to be at this press conference. Obviously, the, the CEO of this major <laughs> corporation, you know, I had gotten like all this negotiation. Our president was going to be there. It was kind of a big deal. If the truck wasn't there, it would be a flop. So we see him running and out the driving passes, and I'm like, oh my God. We take off, like in the cute outfit, the oh, makeup, wow. the hair. I'm a bit of a prissy girl. Took off the shoes, and I'm running down the, wow. down the National Mall to try to get his attention to tell him to come this way. Come back. Of course, he came. By the way, those trucks were just amazing things. Anyway, he came, he got there, everything was beautiful, you know, kudos. People don't go running around looking cute in the middle of in the morning at 4 a.m. in the morning trying to get a truck if they don't believe in your business. Mm. But if you have a team that's working for you, that you are motivating them, that you're providing them the freedom, the tool, the appreciation and the vision, your business can go real places. The first, as I would say, get you a good team and don't take too long to start building your team. Mm. Build it well, have a plan. That alone will get you everything you need. You know, just today, Carrie Ann, thanks for that. Just today, I was saying to uh, some one of our clients that, hey, I know you're saying that when you have enough sales and cash flow come in, then you'll hire these people into position. And I said, look, bite the bullet now. Bite the bullet now. Get them into position now. Let them do what they need to do. And the cash flow will take care of itself because you have a, a good business already. Decrease the fear. Let's go. So I agree with what you're saying, you know, because it does make a big difference if you can get the right talent, the right people to do the right things. It makes your life much easier. Yes. Marianne, you talked about earlier on. I want to tap on this about the different. The um, you talked about growth and scale, business growth, business scale. And where do people go? So first of all, tell us, what is the difference between business growth and business scaling? 
And where do people go wrong? Well, I would say the, the bottom line is to make it real simple. Growth is if your expenses and your income are growing at the same time. So there's no proportional difference between how much you are bringing in versus how much you're bringing out. Mm -hmm. Scale is when you're able to leverage the systems and processes in your business that obviously there's going to be a little bit of increase in price and in cost, but the gap between what you're bringing in and what you are expending begins to grow. That gap mm -hmm. is the scale. So yeah. what do people go around? Well, first thing they do is they start trying to scale way too early. Okay. Mm -hmm. Growing is fine. Growth is a beautiful thing. Right. So growing is fine. Um, and don't go to, don't try to do it too quickly. Right. The other thing that I think happens with the other, the problem that shows up is that you're growing more than your team has the capacity to follow along with. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, so you want to make sure, look again, remember I said your team, your team, your team is it. So if you're growing and they don't have the capacity and they're stretched, stretched and they're stressing out. Things are going to fall through the cracks. They're going to, there's going to be low morale, none of that. So you want to make sure that you have some, you're paying attention to it is all I'm saying. Um, and then I think there's another thing too, is that they, you know, like, I, I mean, look, we all go through this. So I don't want anyone who's one of your audiences to feel the shame, right? They're like, oh my God, I did this. We all go through the thing where you bring on way a bigger contract than you thought you could handle. Mm -hmm. right. And then you can't fulfill it. No. Not a good feeling at all. Yeah. This happens a lot, but that's one of the major symptoms that you are scaling too fast. Where you, whether or not, even if you're selling products, if you're, even if you're doing um, uh, services, if you don't have enough team members to provide the service, or you don't have enough products, or you do have the products, but the way in which you, like I was talking to a woman the other day, she has this fantastic um, uh, pet. Uh, product. It's it's just mwah, chef kiss, right? And the marketing is fantastic. And she had a great, one of the big manufacturers, one of the big retailers here in the US loved it and they want to bring it on. And one of the big conversations that we had was, okay, we've got all these great products. There are like one manufacturer in China is a distributor over here. We've got another uh, um, vendor over here in Wisconsin that's giving it. And then we got something over here. Um, can we get all of them to be able to deliver at the same time so we can provide it? So you need to be thinking, um, if you are scaling, if you want to scale, can't do you have the infrastructure? Do you have the systems? Do you have the team to be able to do that? Look, scaling is a big, huge uh, money suck. So oh, you need yeah. to be thinking about where where is your cash flow situation happening? Do mm. you have the cushion? Do you need to get out a, a loan of uh, a business loan? What do you need to do to make sure that you're able to, to, to do it? Again, perfection is not the name of the game, but being a good business owner who is savvy and smart and wants to build something that lasts need to be thinking about these things and having some mitigations around it. Awesome explanation. Fantastic. Very, very good. Now, um, one of the questions I have for you, Kerry ann is this. Why do some business owners, entrepreneurs, founders get married to their business and get to a situation where they feel like they can't have a vacation, they can't have two weeks off, if they took a week off, something will implode. Why does that happen and how do they fix that? It's a 
a good question, Mac. And I got to say, you know, no, I suspect my, in conversations that I have with my clients, you know, people feel like their business is their baby, mm. right? So there's a sort of emotional attachment to it. And look, I'm all about that, right? Because you wouldn't be passionate about it if you wouldn't do the things that you would do in, if you're not passionate about it. But what I like to try to recommend to people is to look at their business, not as a baby, like, oh, precious, you know, like in the, in the uh, Lord of the Rings, precious, oh my precious, precious, you know, sort of obsession <laughs> with your baby. Yeah. But look at it as, um, you know, I think it was Jay Abraham, um, mm -hmm. that uh, the wise business advisor, he would, he says, look at your business like it's, uh, a, it's like it's a, a hedge fund. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's an entity outside of you. Right. 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 It's an entity outside of you. And your role is to be caretaker and investor. Mm -hmm. And so that it can have it can benefit and create value for yes, you, but your employees, your customers, the vendors and suppliers, frankly, your communities, because you pay taxes and you help to build infrastructure and it helps to create economies in your country. And then it keeps the global economy working. So if you think of the your business as an entity outside of yourself, that you are the caretaker, you are the visionary, you are the prime investor, mm -hmm. but it's not there for you to hoard it and precious 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 it's you to build it up so that it can operate on its own so you can if you when it's time for you to go when it's time for you to exit when it's time for you to sell it when it's time for you to pass it on whatever you're planning to do there's not that kind of thing where it's like oh my goodness which right. means that if you if you find yourself unable to take a two-week vacation a three-week mm. vacation without the business imploding you're building something that is your job. You are building a business. And as a result, and it might make you feel good that you feel like, oh, yeah, this is my thing, you know, whatever. But um, it's it's what, what it means is basically once you are no longer with us on this earth, that business will die as well. Mm -hmm. So if you want to build something that lasts, and the people that come to me are people who want to build a business that lasts. And I, su I suspect your audience is the same. They want to build something that lasts. If Absolutely. you want to build something last that lasts, then you you need to look at the business a little differently than how it's not your baby. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is a it is an entity that's designed to generate value and the inputs that are are will will dictate what the outputs are. So right now, if you can't walk away from your business to have a vacation, then it's on you. Your inputs are wrong. You're either don't have enough systems going on there. You are not hiring well. You don't have a clear vision for the company. Something is amiss. And that to me, that's what I call foundational chaos causing entities. And you must eliminate them because if you continue like that, you know, it's going to die because businesses are just like anything in nature. They either grow or they die. Yeah. And what we say with that is, Focus on building a true business asset. That asset is designed to keep rewarding you whether you are there or not. And as Kerry Ann Powell said, find the right talent, put the right processes, the right systems in place. So whether you're there or not, it continues. But that takes work. And you've got to listen to people like Kerry Ann Powell 
get coaching from her, mentoring from her, get strategy, strategic advice from people like that because they will help you to create a business designed for wealth, not just income. Income is short-term. Wealth is generational. So on that note, Kerry Ann Powell, if people want to get hold of you, what is the best way for people to connect with you, learn from you? Absolutely, Max. So I'm an actual real person. So I'm on LinkedIn. Reach out to me. Message me. Say, hey, I heard you on this. You know, let's connect. I'd love to hear what your audience is doing. I think there are so, I mean, I'm telling you, small and medium-sized businesses are it. People are doing some innovative things out there. I want to know. I love connecting people who are all about that. So reach out to me. Connect with me. I'm on the other social media platforms too. So if you kind of like Instagram, I'm all about it. (laughs) But uh, if you think, though, that you're finding that some of the things that Mac and I have been talking about around the things, uh, the systems, the processes, the chaos, the not being able to walk away, and you feel that you really do want to fix some of those things in your business. I wrote a book. It's called The Eight True culprits causing chaos in your business and you can download it at nobusinesschaos.com www.nobusinesschaos.com because i'm telling you chaos is the enemy of business so you can download it for free it's my gift to you guys in that i basically did brain dump all of the the eight primary things that i see business owners doing that's causing chaos in their business and how to fix them so there I'd you go. There you go. Go to nobusinesschaos.com. We will add it to the show notes here as well. And download that PDF book, you know, the eight true culprits causing chaos in your business. And if there's chaos every day, you're probably getting stressed out and worked up and you're going to head, head towards burnout. So get the book, utilize it, connect with Kerry Ann Powell and move your business forward. So on that note, I'm going to say, Hey, thank you all for jumping on, listening to this. Uh, What I'm going to ask you is a small favor, subscribe, follow if you're not doing that already. And also like, make some comments, tag Kerry Ann Powell in, tag tag Mac Atramin as well so we see some of your comments and see how we can respond to that. We are real human beings. I like the way Kerry Ann Powell said, I'm a human being, I'm a real person. So (laughs) he is a real person and so am I. So reach out on any of the social media handles. So on that note, thank you, Kerry, and thank you for jumping on. Mac, thank you for having me. What an absolute pleasure. You're most welcome. Until we speak again, take care. Bye for now.